Down and down again. Oh. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Oh. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. Oh. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't oh, find her. Shit. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. This is your Monday show. And um, as I record this, it's Friday night. Um, I actually have to uh, trip. I'm going out of town for this weekend, so I'm recording the show a little early. As you guys know, I like to do already. Um, and I, first of all, as I record this, we had a, a special episode drop today. Um, as you guys are listening to this, it should be Monday. So uh, go back in the archives. There's one episode behind you guys. It is the interview with Libsy, the uh, Libsy, the artist. And um, <sighs> so essentially, I'm going to go into more detail. I was going to do a cold open, but... I felt it would, it could be nothing colder than the bars he spit, the hot fire he spit um, on the track we got called Barbarian. Um, so I want to go back a little bit and just talk about that song really fast before I get into today's show. So essentially, as I said on the podcast, go back and listen to it. We were hooked up with ZYG, who was a guest on the show last year, and I remember just... It would would I remember her a few of his tracks and one of the tracks is like okay cool this dude just 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 can just rap you know it's it's cool I actually didn't know he produced until we did the interview but um I remember I sent him the beat and I remember there was no runaround a lot of times when you get features it's such a runaround man I think I'm washing my hair for like the next three days or some extracurricular crap like that and I remember he was like yeah I got something to it blah 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 and I said okay we handled some business. And then I think the next day, in the middle of the day, I get this verse from him. And I remember listening to it. And I remember just listening to it. And the first one, I was like, oh, I was like, oh he, he went hard on this. He went really hard on this. And, that's, and as I say in the podcast, I actually had brain freeze. And actually, how that song even came together, before Lipsy even joined it, uh, I was in my bed sleep, and the TV was on. I, can very, I, I never sleep with the TV on. Usually... Like, you might find yourself dozing off and the TV's on, but then you cut it off. For me, I was actually full-blown asleep. And this commercial came off for, I think it's a show called Vikings. Um, never seen it. I, I probably could just Google it. But I remember as I'm sleeping in that, in that zone of sleep, I remember vividly the, the chorus came to me. It's, I'm a barbarian. Hit you in the knee, Nancy Kerrigan. I know by you I win. You know, something like that. I remember the flow came to me and everything. I woke up, I wrote it down, and actually said it uh, on, on my voice recorder. And I was like, all right, cool. So then we ended up putting a beat together for it. And I had a writer's block on that track. I, I couldn't write anything to it. But I knew it needed to be had features on it. I knew it wasn't one of those tracks where you're just going to rap three times. I, sometimes I feel like even if you were the dopest rapper, it could be overkill. And so when he did what he did, I was like, oh, this is dope. And he had been promoting his album on Instagram for a while. And I was like, okay. Um, so me and him just were, were talking in the DMs, and um, he just wanted to promote it. So I said, fuck it, I have a platform. Why not? Twenty three thousand strong. As we're growing, legitimately this time last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we were at between twelve to fifteen. 
now we're at 23 it's that's some growth there i appreciate that so i said let's let's do it you know and uh it was fun so it's an hour of a great conversation if you're a hip-hop head if you're a music head and it was like being entertained so very entertaining guy so let's get to this week so for anyone who's worried about AEW, do you guys know if you don't know now you will know essentially this this month of september since since the all-out thing scrum whatever you want to call it um I've been focusing more on AEW on like a secondary Wednesday show, which we have one more week of, which is this coming Wednesday. Um, and so that, that's how we're going to do it for one more week, and then it'll be back to the regular format for a little while longer. Um, so this will mainly be focused on just news and notes and WWE. So let's get right into it. So let's hit, hit Raw. Bobby Lashley and uh, Seth Rollins had a banger of a match for the U.S. Championship. Lashley retained. You had to see the running coming. Like, Rollins is in a, in a, currently in a feud. Rollins, who just screwed over Riddle last week, like you couldn't have. I just don't think you can. I, the people who were kind of upset about it, I was like, how can you be upset when legitimately he just screwed over Rollins? Rollins, I mean, I mean um, Riddle, Riddle can't let that stand and let him win a, a title. I mean, I, I just didn't see that. But this led to, and we're in this extreme, this extreme um, rules pay per view is going to be very interesting. You have a lot of matches, not a lot, I'm saying, but you have a lot of matches that actually have feuds to them, but not just that, like, there are stipulations, and, like, one of these, now we have, it's official, Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins, in a fight pit match, that will be fucking awesome, so I'm looking forward to that one. Kevin Owens defeated Austin Theory, um, and I actually have a theory about Austin Theory, that, that was not meant to be pun, no pun intended there. And I was, I was like, man, I should, I should probably hold off until the prediction show. I'm not going to remember. Let me tell you guys something. I'm not going to remember that. Even if I write it down, I'm not going to remember it. But I, it's been on my mind the last two, three weeks. And I'm not saying it's a great idea. I think it's a bad idea. I don't know how I feel about it, but I think I can see this being a thing. Cody Rhodes comes back. Whenever he comes back, he wins the WWE Championship. Theory cashes in on Austin, on, on, on Cody Rhodes. The nuclear amount of heat he would get would be, especially if they did it during Mania weekend, he would get such nuclear heat. I don't know if he's ready to hold a world championship. Personally, I I think that kind of hurt Jack Swagger. I think they saw something in Swagger, and and for whatever reason, they put the, the world championship on him, and I don't know what it was about him. <sighs> So, I don't mind Jack Swagger. Let's get that out of the way. Jake Hager. Um, I guess he just doesn't appeal to me. I see I see it kind of like how I see a TV show where it's like, oh, this is, <clears throat> this is for woke culture. This is for, you know, female culture-led culture. Oh, this just isn't for me. Like, example, Miss Marvel. That show wasn't for my demographic, personally. Like, the re- I, said, I said this in a re- review as well, like, this is not for some this this the the rewatch um level is not high for me. But that's okay, because it's for some other demographic, which is cool. I don't know what they were going for for him. And even when they had something when they were because Jack Swagger and Cesaro were high as a team. And yeah, more so Cesaro, but they together, we the people, that was a thing they put together. And they could have put the World Tag Team Championships on them and they would have been over. 
period, bottom line. And so it's one of those things where I he just his his demographic just wasn't for me, right? Theory, I, theory's very good. Theory's not for me though. Pers- personally, theory's not, I think he's gonna be a hell of a main eventer. I really do. But I think here's what I think, and this is not a hot take by any stretch of the imagination. He. I, I think Vince was putting him in a position to fail. And to me, I think let's let's look at the people who have lost money in the bank. Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, um, Damian Sandow, John Cena. And that's it, right? No, I'm Baron Corbin. I really do feel like once you lose and John Cena's a he was a made man. But I feel like when you lose that money in the bank, that's they don't know what to do with you after that. And Triple H is much different. We know this. I just feel like when I think of that idea, I'm like, I only like it if it happens during WrestleMania weekend. Because you have Cody Rhodes with the visual of him being a WWE champion. And then all of a sudden, Austin Theory cashes in and beats the fuck out of him and wins the title. I like that much better than Cody beating Theory and then Theory being his first challenger. Cody has a plethora of talent now that he is a megastar to work with now. He has a, a feud with Reigns that can be in the works. He has a feud with whoever. Drew, Karrion, like, like it's one of those things to me personally that I feel like I think that's the best way to handle money in the bank. And it's just a theory. Uh, no pun intended. It's just my thought on how they could do it while keeping him strong. And Theory doesn't need to have the belt for a long time. Cody could get the belt back and then, you know, whatever. But what all we need is that first visual of Cody being a WWE champion. That's the story. And that's it. No one's saying about a long title run or anything. And you guys know how much I like Cody. I'm just saying, to me personally, um, that's the way to get the, the, the briefcase off Theory without hurting him. Just my thoughts. The Brawling Brutes defeated Street Profits to become number one contenders for the Tag Team Championships, which they did challenge for uh, on SmackDown. The Judgment Day defeated Matt Riddle and Rey Mysterio. Finn Balor tries to recruit AJ Styles. This looks like this. We still have never gotten an AJ, excuse me, a um, Finn Balor and Edge match from this. It was the focus was on Dominic, which is very interesting. But anyways. They finally dusted off and realized they had AJ Styles, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Looks like the next few is heading out, is coming to these two. Um, I'm going to say this. And this is going to be nitpicky. AJ Styles, I see him in the same breath I see Daniel Bryan. They're both made men. They lose too fucking much. Way too fucking much. But I don't know who wins this. Because fucking Finn Balor shouldn't be losing either. So, we'll see how this goes, but we're going to get a Finn AJ feud, looks like. Bailey defeated Alexa Bliss in a good match. Um, I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, pretty dope match, and the fact that they were main eventing, that's pretty awesome. Let's hit NXT up. And, and one of the most... Uh, what the F moves of all of this entire week. Solo Sokoa had to vacate the North American title due to the fact that he was not the scheduled opponent for Carmelo Hayes. 
And what was this big grand plan they decided to do with the North American Championship afterwards? They put it up in a five-way ladder match. The thing they just did five months ago, and this one will happen at Halloween Havoc. Carmelo Hayes is done with that championship. He's a two-time champion or whatever the fuck. And he's done with it. Like, he's been in the picture for a year. He's done. Whoever it is is going to be new. It has to be new. But I did not understand the point of it, and I thought about it. They only put that North American championship on Solo Sokoa for the one week for the visual of all the Bloodline members at that fucking press conference for Logan Paul having gold. That, that That's the only thing it could be, is that. Otherwise, what the fucking purpose was of this? This was dumb. But I guess they don't want them doing too much, because I guess if Sokoa... I mean, they have bigger plans for these guys. I mean, if you, and if you look at... And we're going to get to it in a second. What Survivor Series is going to be, they have bigger plans. So I, I, I guess I get it or whatever the fuck. J.D. McDonough is the new number one contender for the NXT Championship. And then all of a sudden making his return, making his debut. Not necessarily debut on NXT proper, but his, actually, yeah, it's kind of his debut without that UK Championship being online. Ilyanov Dragunov re- returns from injury. Holy fuck. Fuck, what a triple threat match that would be. Matter of fact, what a match Braun Breaker would be versus him versus Dragunov. Dragunov versus fucking uh, McDonough would be awesome as well. This is going to be an interesting, interesting thing now that you have all these UK talents on NXT proper. It's going to be very, very, very interesting. And some quick news and notes here. Trish Stratus apparently had emergency surgery after she drove herself to the hospital. Uh, well wishes to her and, and, and heal up. And the news I was just talking about, Survivor Series, Triple H has announced it, will be war games. The thing that everyone's wanted, the thing that Triple H was pushing for, the reason we got the Elimination Chamber is because Triple H in 2002 went to Vince McMahon and said, hey, can we do war games? We own it. You own it. Can we do war games? Vince was not keen on it because he did not create it. So that's how the Elimination Chamber was created. And let me ask you guys a quick question. We had we haven't had an Elimination Chamber matches. Yes, we have. We had it earlier this year in Saudi. See, that's how much I watch the Saudi Arabia shows. But anyways, this is to me what they want the visual of all the Bloodline members having gold. But this is built for the Bloodline to have a feud in this thing. And... It's going to be two War Games matches. One women's, one men's. I would have to assume the men's is going to be the bloodline on one side. Kevin Owens on the other side. Now, depending on where they go with this, if they've turned on Sami Zayn, the bloodline has by this time, it's going to be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Who the other members are, I don't know. See, it was heavily rumored that Karrion Cross and Roman Reigns would be facing off for the first time at Survivor Series. But that was when... Supposedly, the plan was the tiles would be taken off of Roman. So I don't know where you go with here, but this is this is built for the bloodline. And if you think about the other thing, the other side of the, the coin, the woman, this is built for damage control. They only have three members. Not saying they need to add a fourth, but they can add a fourth for this particular match. So to me, those two teams are set for war games. What the, the opponents would be, I don't know. But this makes Survivor Series back to being, this could make Survivor Series, excuse me, back to being a top four pay-per-view. I know a lot of people have taken Survivor Series out of that four after many years of it being bastardized and, and destroyed by uh, the previous uh, regime. 
Um, but this is what Triple H wants to do. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, we saw War Games in NXT. In Undisputed Era, they ruled it. They were in every single match. It will be good to see different people, the main, the main eventers. No disrespect to what we saw before because we know all those people, not all of them, but most of those people that we saw in NXT Black and Gold are main eventers, right? I'm just saying how this is the first time we're going to see Reigns in this kind of match. You know, we know what the Usos, Usos can do. Excuse me. We've seen them in hell. In a cell. We've seen them be in brutal hell in a cell. I, I can't, I'm not saying Roman Reigns had a bad hell in a cell match, but to me, one of the greatest hell in a cell matches of all time, I think it's top three, in my opinion, from my my books, was the Usos versus the fucking New Day. That was a brutal hell in a cell match. So, um, to me, this would be, this, this, this is a game changer. You can do so many things here to where, and I thought about this too. Another terrible idea. You could legitimately have one of the what you could have Reigns put up a world championship in this thing. I could say, hey, you have to have one world title on the line, and if anyone gets pinned, it's it's their loss. And you could have Sami Zayn take the pin if he's still a part of the whole thing or whatever, right? You can ha- you could do so many different things with this, but this is a game changer. I bet you those tickets for that show are gonna be fucking sold out. I can see it. Thunder Rosa, due to her back injuries, out of AAA main event, women's main event, Camille will be replacing her and challenging Taya Valkyrie. Let's t- touch on SmackDown. Back to Roman Reigns. I thought this was a great opening segment where Reigns said, "Why are you talking to Sami Zayn? Why are you wearing a shirt?" He had Jay rip the shirt off. And then he threw uh, Sami Zayn his own shirt and said uh, SZ on top, honorary Oos. He's officially a part of the family. Like, I, I, this was so awesome to see it. And what's going to be hard is when Jay legitimately hates this guy, right? He's like, just, you shouldn't be a part of this. But Sokoa and Jimmy love this guy. It's, so Sokoa's a killer, so he's not gonna. You can tell it's gonna be hard for Jimmy to turn his back on him. Like those two would genuinely get along, right? And so it's one of those things where when they have to when they turn on him, it's going to be a hard watch. But the payoff will be Sami Zayn and his real life best friend Kevin Owens getting those tag team championships off of the Usos. I need a drink of water. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> I'm like super excited right now talking about this. The segment was so, it's just so good, and just was such a mind fuck because you see where Reigns has come and gone, and we just know how good he is now. I know WWE has a Roman Reigns problem; they put themselves in this problem. Well, Vince did by putting both belts on him, by making him beat their entire roster. Now. We have fresh blood on here, so things can change, and things will change for sure. But I have a thought on Sami Zayn. Due to this run right now, and I think this run started with him when he turned heel. He started wearing the camo pants, and I think, wasn't he with Cesaro and uh, Nakamura at the beginning of 2020? Whenever it was, he was Intercontinental Champion. I think it was 2020, yeah. 
here's the thing. I think due to this run, but mainly now we're seeing him with a main eventer. He's talked himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus Christ. Don't die on air. Could be better ways to go. Maybe not. Kind of cool. Anyways, um, in my opinion, he has built himself up for a world title run. I think in the next two years, he's going to be a world heavyweight champion. Here's where the difference is. Someone like Sami Zayn back in the day, in the 80s, early 90s, 70s, guys like him were like Rick Rude and, not Rude, Black Piper and Roberts. You didn't necessarily need to put championships on them because they were entertained. They were entertaining themselves, right? But that evolved and changed as we got to the attitude that we're on, where yeah, let's let's reward them by putting a title. Let, let's let the let's let the fans have the visual of the championship on this person, right? That changed. And to me now, we live in an era of you can put the world championship on someone like him. It does not have to be a long reign. You know, as I said before, it could be something where he wins, you get the visual, and then all of a sudden you lose that visual. Because he's turned himself babyface. He essentially has turned himself babyface. And so I truly believe he will be a world champion in the next couple of years because of it. If this was the 70s, 80s, early 90s, no. He's going to be one of those guys where they, they will say, well, he didn't need a title because this and a third. And that's something I've always disagreed with about anything the title doesn't have to make you for you just to have the visual. Roddy Piper having Intercontinental Championship meant a lot because it was so rare to see him with titles. Like he was a U.S. champion at the first star. <clears throat> excuse me, it's the first arcade. I'm really, I might really fucking die on air. Um, but like it meant it, it means something. And I know when you hear people like Bruce Pritchard and other people talk, yeah, the title, no, no, no. Then why do you have the if the title means nothing all the all the fucking time? If the title means nothing, why have it on Hogan for four years? Why have it on San Martino for ten years? Like like stop pushing that narrative and just say hey, it was a time where other people needed that championship more. To me personally, Bret Hart needed those titles more. He was not a great talker. He didn't become a good promo. Until 97, I'm very biased. I've, go, I've gone on record as saying my favorite version of Bret Hart is 97. Like, if, if I'm playing a WWE 2K game, and it says Bret Hart 97 versus Bret Hart 93, I'm picking Bret Hart 97, even though it's the same fucking guy. He, he, he's, he's still... Bret Hart 97, when he pulled that promo, uh, what was the promo? It was, it was after... I'll never, I'll never fucking forget it. He... We had to steal cage match against Sid. Undertaker screwed him. And he says, this is bullshit. And he just went off on that tangent. I was like, all right, you have my attention. I legitimately was like, I hated Bret Hart. Everything, he just walked around. He reminded me of someone that just, I've never actually worked with this person, right? I'm not going to say if what it is because there'll be issues. But I worked with this person. And they legitimately, they took themselves so seriously. I remember one time. They were cosplaying. And I was like, man, you look fire. They're like, excuse me, that's not professional. I said, fire? I said, yeah, you need to say I look nice or lovely. I said, 
Yeah, I'm not doing that. Now you look fucking terrible. Get the fuck out of my face. Took themselves so seriously. And I was like, what does that even fucking mean? It's one thing if I walked up to you and just said some ignorant shit, but I said, you look fire. It's just a slang term. I always thought Bret Hart is that guy that just takes himself so seriously. And 97, I felt for the first time like, all right, I'm seeing the real person, which we saw a lot of in the Attitude Era, but I'm also getting the character I want from this person. You can't be, you can't just be nice all the time. You can't just be like, I'm gonna walk around. I get it, you're the best. <clears throat> I get it. But there's more. Tell me what you're thinking. I need another drink of water. I might fucking die on air. <clears throat> Anyways, so for me, I feel like nowadays you get rewarded for that. You know, even if WWE doesn't, even if WWE doesn't do, it, other people do. And so I feel like due to this run, Sami Zayn has like he got first of all because of the heel run, it got him his first his first taste of gold on the main roster. He's a two-time Intercontinental Champion. He's in that great ladder match with Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles. Um, but I mean. I think he's going to be world champion in the next couple of years. So, anyway, this is a great segment. Later on in the night, Ricochet and Matt Cat Moss were talking, completely talking trash about uh, Sami Zayn to his face. He said, hey, he says, hey, guys, look, you talk trash about me, that's one thing. But you talk about me now, it's, you're not just talking about me. And they kept talking, and finally, Solo would beat the fuck out of both guys. He wanted to smoke. He beat the hell out of both guys. And Sami Zayn said, yeah, night talking about the bloodline. That's the problem. Holy crap, that was funny. And I just I just enjoyed Ricochet's sell of even though Sokoa didn't throw his head against the, the the fucking ramp, he was like, Oh my god, no, no. It was so fucking ridiculous. Liv Morgan gets extreme, puts Lacey Evans through a table, and you saw some fire out of her as she is determined to prove that she should Ronda Rousey should put some respect on her name. So, uh, I feel it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross will battle in a strap match. And at the end of the show, uh, not at quite the end of the show, but this is two segments. Drew McIntyre gets laid out by Karrion Cross, but this will be a hell of a match, these two being each other. I love, I start loving strap matches in 96 when Savio Vega and, and Steve Austin had that blood feud. And it culminated with those two strap matches. Holy crap. Those things, there's no way those are fake, obviously, right? But it's like one of those things where it's like you, I think you feel it more. Because you're just like, man, I know there's no way to really fully fucking protect yourself from this. This is awful. So, but that was pretty interesting. The Usos retain against the Brawling Brutes, thanks to help from the, the Bloodline. Next week on the season premiere of or in two weeks excuse me a season premiere of smackdown sheamus walter intercontinental title rematch and also i saw a note how apparently one of the matches that's already booked for wrestlemania is walter versus fucking drew mcintyre holy shit that's gonna be fire and i had to talk about this after we saw the tease of the 
L.A. Knight character coming back. We saw the male Miles lose to the New Day today and uh, tonight, and Max Dupree just went off. And um, th- yeah, this has to be the coming back of L.A. Knight. Um, so that's that's good. That's good news for all you L.A. Knight Eli Drake fans. So good for him. Also, some good news: John Cena has made history. He continues to make history. He has made 500 Make a Wish. Make a wish. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Make a wish. Uh, make a wish. I, that's it, right? Anyways, he's done 500 Make a Wish, and no one has done more than 200. How he finds the time is amazing. Super nice guy. Congratulations to him. And I don't think he's stopping at 500. John Cena's not gonna stop until he gets to fucking a thousand. I can see that. Toxic Attraction, Dolan and Jane, the tag team, maybe moving to the main roster. There's been a lot of talk about that. And apparently, this move was gonna be made until uh, Gigi Dolan got that concussion a couple weeks ago. So look out for that. Aaliyah will be back on TV next week. She was dealing with a minor little injury. Speaking of back, Gabe Sapolsky as Triple H is bringing his people back. Gabe Sapolsky is back with WWE and under the banner. So congratulations to him. Speaking of Triple H, Triple H also spoke with Malachi Black about return to WWE. I We don't know the... Because here's the thing. How do I say this without coming off like a complete douche? I'm pretty sure Black has some personal issues he has to deal with, and that's fine. But it sounds like he, the main goal is to get back to WWE anyway. And also now a lot of other people are requesting their release because they want to go back to WWE. Johnny Gargano even said once Vince was ousted and Triple H was put in, there was no choice. He already knew where he was going. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to be consistent here. I feel the same way I feel about WWE. If Tony Khan shouldn't be letting people out of five-year deals. I disagree with that. That's the part I disagree with. Like I, I see everyone saying, "Let him go." I'm, if you're not happy, you should not be there. However, Malachi Black just signed one year ago. Adam Cole just signed one year ago. They have four more years left on these deals, unless they're going to unless they're going to get all the way out. And what does he get for that, though? In all, in all honesty, what what does he get for? Just letting people go. Like, he can't deplete his roster. You know? So, I agree. If someone doesn't want to be there, you shouldn't let them be there. However, it should be a conditional release. You say you got personal issues? Cool. Deal with that. But we need to find some way to work this out to where it works out for both of us. That's that's, that's business and that's fair. But I'm going to be consistent and say that because I feel that way for sure. Now, I saw an interesting note. I keep seeing this. How I guess whenever they contact talent, so apparently Swerve Strickland and Adam Cole have been the ones, air quotes, doing air quotes, you can see me doing air quotes, snitching. I, what is it snitching about? Because let's, let's say hypothetically, right? Think about this. I'm gonna have, I, I, this is an interesting story. I don't know if you guys, how many guys have heard this before. If you watch a lot of Kevin Nash shoot, uh, shoot interviews, you have heard this. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall go over to WCW 96. I remember vividly this going on because it was so weird because they were trying to make Jim Ross a heel at the end of 96 into 97. Now, I remember vividly, he kept saying, I got, I'm bringing some people back. And he, he kept saying Diesel and Razor because they owned the, the trademarks. WWE did. They did. He kept saying that. And I was like, 
and it was so weird to see Jim Ross as a heel because it was so out of context. It was kind of like, what what are we doing again? Like, why are you why are you angry, right? And so, apparently during this time, they had not signed any contracts. They 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 were just on a handshake deal, making money, blah blah. blah. But they had not signed any deals. So Eric Bischoff and the Turner uh, legal team thought this is a big work. They're going back. So then they put these new contracts in front of them for like a hundred grand more each a year, and said, "Is this what you want?" And so Nash and Hall signed. And then they were watching Raw one night, and they seen the fake Diesel and the fake Razor. Uh, I think his name was like uh, the fake the fake Razor was Rick Bogner or something like that, and the fake Diesel was Kane Glenn Jacobs. And all of a sudden. Eric Bischoff apparently like looks over and sees these guys and realizes they've been worked, but not by Nash and Hall, but by WWE because they they believe everything WWE's saying. I thought that was fucking hilarious. First of all, second of all, like what what do you want them to do? Do you want them to like be contacted constantly? Because Adam Cole especially was a Triple H guy. I mean, I was listening to a Swerve podcast with um. Where he was on with Jericho, and he said that he was never one of Triple H's guys. Like he said that he wanted to be, but he was just never that close with them. But Triple H treated him well. He didn't, like, so he wasn't saying that he was treated poorly or anything. <coughs> poorly or anything. And so, um, but obviously Triple H liked the guy. He signed him. Like, so what do you want them to do? Like to be contacted and then have to answer to their boss later on and say, well. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We heard this, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Like, what exactly do you want to happen here? Now, I don't know if this is true or not. I just find it interesting. But I think the thing thing that they they loved about Adam Cole and WWE is how nice of a guy. Everyone you talk to about Adam Cole, he's how how nice of a guy he is. When I met him, nice guy. This this dude legitimately had a fucking line, a long-ass line. And he's just talking to everybody, taking his time. Super nice guy, right? I think sometimes it's best to say, hey, just so you know they contacted me. I'm happy here. I'm not trying to use this as a bargaining chip, blah, blah, blah. But here's my thing. These guys signed five-year deals when the, the climate uh, when the climate was different. I get the climate's different now. And, and Malachi Black will make his return to WWE. I can see Tony Khan just letting him go sometime quietly next year. But he can't do it with everybody, though. He can't. He's also not doing mass layoffs like WWE were. And eventually there's going to come a time where someone's going to take over that uh, head of uh, human relations there. Human t- uh, yeah, human relations. HR. It's essentially fucking HR. And they're going to release people. And you guys are going to be mad all over again. Oh, WWE is not. It's the same under Triple H and blah, blah, blah. And I I bleed anally and blah, blah. You guys are going to be all angry anyway. But yes, I'm going to be consistent because that's how I feel. If people don't want to be there, they should not be there. However, this dude sounds a fucking five-year deal. And I'm pretty sure it's a lucrative five-year fucking deal. So I can't feel bad for that, unfortunately. I hope he gets all of his personal shit taken care of. I hope he does. I just don't think it's fair just to put this company in a position to where you weren't happy. They pulled you out and all of a sudden you're not good anymore. Ruby Soho needs surgery on her nose after the broken nose she uh, uh, took it all out. And she withdraws from the 1PW Independent Show. 
According to Meltzer, the original All Out main event was said to be Punk versus MJF, which I guess we all know now. Um, but everything had to change, so that's very interesting there. But it still wasn't. The thing I'm more interested in actually is not even that. We knew that was. I guess we it, it, now we know that that was destination. I want to know what the, the whole goal was for John Moxley. How did he get two more title reigns and AEW Wrestler of the Year? <laughs> you know, I, I'm interested to know what his plans were. Maria Canellis will be a free agent starting next month. Bobby Fish, who has been on a tirade, he has been hating on Punk or being angry with Punk, trying to get um, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole to jump ship back to WWE. He just shows up on Impact. So you, you won't go WAB, but then you show up in Impact. It's just, it's crazy. But he's on Impact now. Um, the Good Brothers are back with New Japan as their deals with Impact, ironically, expired. Kurt Angle, this is a terrible story. Kurt Angle dealing with memory loss due to the concussions. So just praying for him and praying that it's not anything serious. And that hopefully it's just one of those things where um, he can find the proper medical attention for it you know hopefully it's not anything that too bad Kushida well wishes to him as well Jesus he's been, he's been diagnosed with a hand foot and mouth disease it doesn't didn't say a name in the article I read it just said a hand foot and mouth disease he's withdrawn from shows that's scary into itself that's those three places CM Punk is unlikely to return to AEW. I think we all know that now. But apparently there's going to be a, car- a contract buyout. And I think that's key. Because I saw another article, several articles, saying how CM Punk will sue AEW. I was like, why would he sue AEW? Like, like they're not going to... I don't see Tony Khan just outright firing him, you know? I kind of figured there had to be something like this. Like, because this is his thing. When you do a buyout, and Punk has to know by now, he has to have reflected, spoken to his wife, he and realized that he... I didn't chastise it too hard because I've made <coughs> excuse me I've made mistakes like that or I can call it a mistake I've done stuff like that before but dude you were sitting next to the owner of the company and the president of the company that was a fucking terrible luck um, but the point is is that I I don't think I don't know how much he's making let's say let's say he signed a four year deal for five million dollars just throwing that out there. I can see it being, hey, you worked one year for us, great. Let's make this buyout like a $1.52 million thing. That way you get that way you get more than half of what you owe left in this contract, and boom, boom, boom. Because he's not going to earn anything else. He's not going to come back. His value is... he. This, let me tell you something. His value is not diminished, but that rant showed that he that he didn't quite understand the room. He didn't read the room. Can you imagine a, a main event at All Out, Punk versus Kenny Omega? Just those two on the marquee. It's going to sell out. These guys just did their first million dollar gate on a dynamite. I think, only, I think there's only two or three draws in history to do a million dollar gate. So... Yeah, they didn't put 20,000 people in Arthur Ashe Stadium this year, but apparently the tickets were a lot more expensive this year. Last year, they were so cheap because they wanted to fit as many people in there, which is smart. This year, they were so much more expensive, it got them to a million-dollar fucking gate. They're going to be just... And that was with none of the elite 
or CM Punk on there. So to me, they're going to be just fine. I can see him taking a buyout. I can see him not wanting to cause any more drama um, and figuring things out. You know, so that's just my opinion on that. Uh, Also, on Rampage, a few things. Hangman won the Golden Ticket Battle Royal. He will face John Moxley, I think October 17th in Cincinnati, Ohio, for the AEW World Championship. That is their first time ever meeting. That will be fucking fire of a main event. And finally, the great fucking Muda debuted and to help out Sting on Rampage, Sting and Darby. And this is, those two have a ton of history. Ton of fucking history. And um, this is a head of his retirement match. In February. So, for those people who are there, you lucky fuckers, you guys are going to get to see Great Moon. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, and I don't know my schedule next year yet. Um, I know it's going to be busy because I'm actually about to pick up. Next week will start to be fucking ridiculous for me. So, this podcast will be, uh, we'll see if I can keep up. But, um, hopefully, he could be like a WrestleCon or something like that. Like how. Suzuki's been all over the fucking place. Hopefully, Great Moon could be all that would be fire to meet him too. Can you imagine? Getting, I got I've gotten to meet Suzuki, fucking Thunder Liger. Hopefully, I could uh get to meet Muda too. But anyways, that is your show for this Monday. Check me out on the set September. I um, mean, it's final September of the week, um, the month, excuse me. Um, as the Wednesday shows have now, we 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 had a full fucking um, September. They are exciting. So the next three weeks after this, just to get to the programming notes, after this following, after this Wednesday, the following Wednesday, the next three Wednesdays will be the first three episodes of She-Hulk. Second three, second. Let's. I'm pulling Excalibur right now. One through three episodes will be the first Wednesday of Wednesday of October. Second Wednesday of October. Episodes four through seven. Or four through excuse me, uh yeah. Four through six, excuse me. And a lot and the third Wednesday will be I'm really pulling the fucking Excalibur. The third Wednesday will be episodes seven through nine. That will cover all the series there. I've still yet to watch any of it. So I'm actually I'm, I'm actually going to get to watch it. I think I'm going to start. I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do is watch the first three episodes this upcoming week, and then I'll figure the rest out from there. Um, but I'm excited. And then the final week of October will hit us with fucking Black Adam. So our October is already full. We still have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever coming up in November. We have a ton of good shit. So just to let you guys know that. And like I said, if you guys have not checked out that that interview with Lipsy, check it out. It's in the archives. It's one episode behind this one. You guys will enjoy it. So I'm Slow Chemical. This is I See Things A Little Differently. I am out.